tired of trying to do it on my own. This series is all about us not being able to do it and knowing that he can do it. It's about us saying we're second because God has to be first. And we have heard several stories. We're going to be hearing many more stories The last Sunday, we will be hearing stories from individuals in the church talking about how God has become first and we've become second. And because of that, our lives have been changed forever. You remember last week we read in the Bible about this woman that would go to a well in the heat of the day because she was shunned by her community. And Jesus went purposely to that village or to that well and met her and told her everything she had ever done because here's what we need to know is that God knows everything we've ever done. But he told her in a way that was so compassionate and loving that she went back to the city or to the village and told everyone and many believed and trusted in Jesus because of her story. Many believed and trusted in Jesus because of a story. Josh Hamilton is that guy that just spoke right now. If you're a baseball fan, you you know who Josh Hamilton is. He's an all-star, amazing baseball player, but he came to a place in his life where he was fighting the devil. How many of you ever fought the devil? And Josh Hamilton found that as he fought the devil, he could not defeat him on his own. He came to the place in the realization that he absolutely needed Jesus Christ to defeat our foes. He was talking about struggles. How many of us have struggles? Yeah. Every one of us has struggles. You see, not only do we have a story, our story is filled with trials and difficulties. Got a call last night, driving home, 11 o'clock at night. Your mom's in the hospital, very ill. Struggles. Have you noticed that they don't stop? She's in God's hands because he's first. And so the reality is that we are all facing something. Our story is filled with different adversities in our lives. 
we find, we find out very quickly that we are not first because we're incapable of overcoming our struggles on our own. You find out real quickly you're not first. Because when those struggles come, you say, oh God, where are you? People don't talk to God until struggles come, even if they're atheists. Oh my God. I didn't even think you believed in them. I don't, but it sounds good, no. When struggles come, you find out you can't overcome them. There's four things that I want to share this morning to kind of help us through our struggles biblically and just relationally, just the fact of the matter. The first thing, I, before I even go to the Bible, I want to bring this point up. And the, 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 the point is everyone struggles. Everybody has struggles. Everyone, everyone has a situation that stresses us out. Some of it is a family dynamic. It's one of your children. It may be uh, a, a house situation. It may be a... a um, the list goes on and on and on. But we all have situations that stress us out. We all have habits that we want to kick. Habits that we can't kick on our own. Finances and relationships that seem impossible to fix. Have you ever had a financial situation that depletes you? Bankrupts you. And you find out, I'm not first. Because I can't get out of it. Relationships. How about relationships that are broken and you can't fix them on your own? Josh Hamilton's story, it's not identical to ours, but we can all relate to struggles that are beyond our ability to control. We may not have a drug addiction, but we all have unhealthy cravings and unhealthy lusts. As long as the devil is around, and he is, he will use his entourage, what I mean by his entourage is the demonic forces, to tempt us and try his hardest to enslave us, to trip us up in life. And this spells S-T-R-U-G-G-L-E-S. Struggles. I can tell you personally that I have experienced my share of struggles in ministry, 
Not you guys. Not you. Struggles in my personal life. Struggles in my family life. And what I've found out and what I can tell you is that the devil doesn't play fair. And I found out right away. I found out right away, just like Josh Hamilton and everyone else who has been through a struggle, that I cannot handle these on my own. I am second. I have to be second because Jesus has to be first. I was, I was doing some word searches as I was preparing the sermon, and I went to the book of Ecclesiastes. How many of you ever read the book of Ecclesiastes? It's a real positive book. <laughs> Vanity of vanities, empty. Oh, my goodness. If you want to be uplifted, go to another book. But it speaks to the realities of life. And, and, and Solomon, as he's writing, he says, life is short. And you love your wife. So enjoy being with her. This is what you're supposed to do as you struggle through life on this earth. Contemporary English version. Love your wife. Love. I, gotta, I gotta love you, babe, and I do. That's what I'm supposed to do. Blessed is a man who finds a good wife, and I have. Hold on to that, because there will be many struggles as you struggle through this life. But pastor, Christians aren't supposed to struggle. We're supposed to be rich, healthy. Never, you're never supposed to have a trial. I heard it on TV. Positive. Really? But Jesus told his disciples, he said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. This is Jesus Christ. He's telling the apostles, the apostles, they were the kings of faith. They walked with Jesus. They saw his mighty miracles. They saw him do things that no man had ever done. They did them themselves. And yet he said, in this life, you will have many trials. You will have many sorrows. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. What does it mean? There's sin around us. There's sin that's still working in us, that we are working out through Jesus. Amen? We live around fallen people. Have you ever had an argument? 
Well, not this service, her service. There's fallen people. They're, they're, God is still restoring us. He's still doing the regeneration process. There's a big word. Just means the Holy Spirit's still working on us to make us more like Christ. There's fallen situations all around us. But Jesus went on to say, Take heart, because I have overcome the world. You can, you can take heart, you can be encouraged, you can be cheerful. Because I have overcome. Notice that. It doesn't say you will overcome on your own. It says I have overcome. And because of him, because we can be second and we can have him first, we will overcome. What we find in Jesus is the anchor who sustains us through our struggles and the one who heals our brokenness. Here's the big picture. Can I give you the big picture? God heals and he gives you strength through your struggles. God heals us and he gives us strength as we go through our everyday struggles. And beloved, I would lie to you if I would not tell you that you are going to have struggles. Now let's go to the Word. Let's go to the Bible. Point number two is simple. The Bible story on struggle. What does the Bible say? Here, here's what I love about the Word of God. It, it speaks into our lives. It meets us where we're at. And the story in the Bible is about a man who was homeless and an outcast. He was terrorized by evil spirits. And while we may not be able to relate to being terrorized by many demons in our life... I think all of us have been led astray by forces that are opposed to God and his plan for our lives. And because of this, we can relate to this man in many ways. You see, this man's finances were a mess. His relationships were broken. He was full of addictions and habitual sin, and they were overtaking him. And all of these are issues we all feel, fear and that we all deal with. Anyone in here ever dealt with an addiction? You don't have to raise your hand. Anyone in here ever had a relationship that was broken and it just tore you apart? Anyone had their finances a mess? Anyone in here ever felt that you're just not going to make it because you're, you're, you're just in a mess? This man had all of them. So we're going to go to Mark's gospel, chapter 5, and we're going to start reading at chapter 2, I mean on verse 2, sorry, chapter 5, verse 2. Let me pray. Father, 
Thank you for this second service, Lord. Thank you for um, you giving us your word. It's a lamp that lights our path. It's, unto, it's a light that, uh, uh, unto our feet that lights our path, directs our, our, our steps. And I pray that as I speak the things that I've prepared, Lord God, that you will just give me clarity, give me um, understanding, give me power, Lord God, to speak these words. And I pray for every heart that's here, every mind to be open for life change. They, may, they discern the things that are from you, Lord, and grab a hold of them and implement them in their lives so that your name will be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Bible puts it like this. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, and he broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out, and he would cut himself with stones. So the Bible tells us that he was a cutter. Everyone thinks that that's a new phenomenon, that, you know, you hear about all these cutters. You may be in here and you may have cut. The reality, it's very biblical. The Bible tells us that demonic forces will lead you to hurt yourself, to uh, mutilate yourself. And that's exactly what was going on with this man. But when you really think about this man's life... We realize, and as I was putting this together, I, I began to see this. You, we realize that this man did not just one day end up homeless and living in a cemetery. It didn't just happen overnight. You see, we only get a snapshot of his life. We get a picture of him at the very bottom of his life. A broken and ruined person. But what we don't see is what happened to him to get there. See, the Bible doesn't show us all of that. But you begin to reason. And you begin to think. People don't end up in the tombs overnight. People don't end up broken and hopeless Overnight, it's situations, it's circumstances, it's choices that we make that take us one step further from God because you believe those voices and you begin to open up doors that take you away from God instead of to God. It doesn't tell us if he had a job loss. You see, there are times that people lose their job, people have occupations, and they put everything in their job. Their whole lives are at stake. And when they lose that profession, some people will even kill themselves. Because their job is first and not God. Because when God's first, you understand that there's nothing that can happen in our life that he will not take care of. See, it doesn't tell us if there was a job loss. It doesn't tell us if there, if there was a bad addiction. Can I tell you that bad addictions don't start out bad?
fit pretty good. <laughs> they don't ever start out. You don't ever start out an alcoholic. You don't start out a drug addict. You don't start out that. You start out. It's called rec. I, I don't do drugs. I just do recreation. I am a recreational drug user, you know, for recreation. You see, it doesn't tell us that about this man. Possibly, maybe there was a failed marriage. How many of you know that people that have a failed marriage, that they could take steps, one step, because they're hurting so bad, hurting people, begin to hurt other people. And not only that, they begin to take steps, and they open up doors because they're trying to find love in all the wrong places. And once they take one more step, one more step in the wrong place, their hearts are so broken that they stop caring about themselves, about their bodies, about who they are. See, it, we don't see that. But possibly this man had had a relationship that broke. And because of that, he began to open up doors that led him to live in a cemetery. That's not a Holiday Inn. But it took him there. Whatever it was, it led him to open a door that led him away from God and to a life of bondage and despair. Nobody gets to living in the cemetery or in the streets or in the crack house overnight. No one gets to an eating addiction or an eating disorder overnight. No one gets to a porn addiction or to a hidden sex addiction overnight. It's a series of choices that lead us away from God who is our source of healing to the things that are a temporary fix and the source of bondage. You see, there are things that happen to every one of us in life. But you want healing. And so you'll get that temporary fix that temporary healing just for that moment. If I can just have it for this moment. If I could just please have temporary fix for this moment. Before I got saved, I um, had my hand crushed underground. It's pretty amazing how this works out. Sean and I had a big fight. She said, I'm leaving. I'm going to New Mexico. I said, well, good riddance. <laughs> Went to work. The, the concrete machine was set up backwards. It was wrong. The tugger was wrong. Cable was, the, 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 the pulley was right by the handle of the machine, a thousand-pound machine that came up and down. And I had to lift it up and down as I, as I poured concrete with pots. That, that a term, uh, anyways, I'm not going to go into the explanation. 
So I had that machine. That machine came up and it caught my hand and it was pulling. That pulley was tightening up that cable. So that big machine went across my hand. It broke every metacarpal bone in my hand. Took me to the hospital right away and, and uh, emergency surgery. They did, they did, well, they couldn't do surgery because the swelling was so bad that I had a week in a cast. So the swelling would go down so that they could do the surgery. But in this surgery, they gave me this shot, or in this process, they gave me a shot, and it was a Percocet shot. <laughs> and I'll never forget the tingling feeling that you get. It's working. <laughs> hey, nurse, I am hurting again. <laughs> they were giving me shots on my behind. Don't get a mental picture. <laughs> and this is a true story. I got to the place that I had so many holes on both sides that they started to give me shots on my leg. And I kept asking for them because it felt good. And I had an acquaintance, a friend of mine, a family member come and, and he was a drug dealer. And he came and he said to me, hey, you need to cut down on those shots. <laughs> Who are you to tell me? I'll never forget the way that I felt because can I tell you, not only was I, not only was I going through em, em, emotional turmoil, relation breakup, but by the way, I asked for Shauna to come back after I said, good riddance, go, don't ever come back ever again. I want to see you. Don't want to see you. Easy. Get my wife, please. Ouch. Ouch. Please call my wife. Don't call my mama. Call my wife. Find out how you can escape through a temporary fix and how it can lead you down a road of disaster. And in my story, I can say this, that, that it took me down a road that I was still empty, even in all that, trying to fix things on my own. I was empty until I came to the place where I said, I need No one ever gets there overnight. Whatever happened to this man, it ended up with him opening a door for evil spirits to dominate his life. The Bible says that when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, at the top of just imagine this. At the top of his voice, he said, What do you want with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God. And I don't think he yelled like that. He probably, in a demonic kind of a tingling, something like, What do you want with me, Jesus? I don't know how he said it, but that sounds pretty ugly. In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had asked him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion. He replied, for we are many. 
Now remember, legion in the biblical sense, a legion in military terms was 6,000 plus soldiers. So there were, this man was, was possessed by a multitude of demons. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of that area. You see, the demons have no power over God, and that's why they have no power over Jesus, because they have, because Jesus is God. That's why they were afraid. But they had power over this man. Are you with me? They had power over this man. And what they did in this man's life is they led him to burn bridges that left him with no family, no friends, and no hope. How many of you know that when you're led by the enemy, when the enemy comes into your life and you open up those doors, that you begin to burn bridges? You begin to lose friends. You begin to lose family. You begin, you're all alone. And you're hopeless. Because when we get to this point, our families are helpless, as well as our friends. It becomes more than they can bear. Are you with me? Has anyone ever came to you over and over and over again and you, you have no more money to give? You have no more cars to lend. You have no more stuff. You're depleted and those bridges get burned. And this man ended up in the cemetery all by himself, broken, hurting, hopeless. think we can all relate to this story because there are times that we struggle there are times that we all have struggled maybe with an addiction or a bad habit or a financial struggle and the only one that can help us at those times is God the only one that can heal is God Point number three is we need to start the healing. The Bible story continues with the biblical fact that Jesus was not intimidated by the demons in this man's life. Jesus does not shake when a demon comes around. He's not fearful because he has authority over them. And because he's God. The Bible says there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. And, and the demon said, send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. The entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned into the water. Now that's very interesting because I want, I want you to understand this. In the gospel, Jesus went to the Jews. Here he's in the region of the Gerasenes. They were herding pigs. I don't know if you know this, but Jews don't touch pigs. 
He was in Gentile territory because he cares about people. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. They ran and they started telling the story. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane and they were all afraid. Jesus had completely changed his life. Jesus had completely restored him. He was dressed. He was sitting. He was sane. Can I tell you something, beloved? Let me say, sir, if you think there's no hope, there's hope with Jesus. He can make your mentality turn around where you're stable. Give you great reasoning ability. Gave you a, a wonderful health, mental, emotional, physical. Because he's God. Those demons come to destroy our lives. And they're still around. I, I just have to give you a, 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 some information. Those demons are still around. And they're lying. When you get a thought, I should kill someone. I should kill myself. That's not God. This man was completely different as he sat there. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. You see, Jesus did what no one else could ever do. And it freaked them out. It freaked them out. Can I, let me tell you this. Sometimes Jesus does something in our lives. He does incredible things in our lives. It will freak people out. James Reese, what happened to you? You're talking too much about Jesus. You're, that's too much. Shauna Reese, what? You're so different now. What, what happened to you? I don't know if I want to hang out with you anymore because you're different. See, that happens to us when we start walking with God because there's such a transformation in our lives that sometimes it freaks people out because Jesus has such great power. It teaches us that our answer to our struggles are not in a man or a woman. Our answer is in the one whom the demons and forces of this life have no power over. There's a name that is above all names that the demons shake. When 
his name is uttered. And his name is Jesus. He healed this crazed and demon-possessed man, and he can certainly heal us and strengthen us for the struggles ahead. But the story does not end here. I'm telling you, as I was putting this together, the Lord really began to work on my heart and my mind. The story does not end here because the man had to go back and do bridge repair. See, sometimes we burn bridges and we just want to walk away. You know what I mean? Sometimes we, and here's the thing, beloved, we all mess up. And when we do, we burn bridges. Jesus Christ is the Lord of restoration. He has us go back. And in his power, he begins to restore the bridges that have been burned in our lives. The Bible puts it like this. Jesus was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Here's an interesting thing. Everyone that Jesus would come across, he would say, come and follow me. Here's this man that had been demon-possessed. This guy was cutting himself. He was a cutter, all these different things. He begged to go with Jesus. And verse 19, Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Go back to those bridges that you burned. And because you have me, you have me. Begin to restore the bridges that have been burned. I had someone come up to me during the service and said, Pastor, I just want to thank you. I want to thank God because one of my family members, my brother, has been coming. He only came twice. He's an alcoholic. We had, we had pleaded with him to go into rehab. We had pleaded with him for him to, to get some help. And he said, I will never get help. I will, he would not do it. He came twice, and God moved on him, and he went into rehab. Can I tell you why? Because Jesus Christ restores and changes lives. Now, here, here's what you need to understand. Here's what we need to grab a hold of. People come to Christ. They come to Christ all the time. But when they come to Jesus, the, word, the work begins. Amen? We as a church, we have to love them through that. We have to let God do the restoration and all those things in every one of us. He goes on, he says, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Here's the thing is, here's what people need to know, how much God has had mercy on us before we give judgment. Notice that Jesus didn't say, go over there and tell them how bad they are, Legion. Legion would have said, Lord, I'm worse. I was worse. 
now he said, go and tell them how God has had mercy on you. What you deserved, he didn't give you. Can I tell you, you young men that went into the water, and if you sincerely meant what you're, what you're doing, which I believe with all my heart that you came before us, came before God, your life changed forever God has had mercy on you. Not only did Jesus heal the man, he would also begin to heal his relationships and restore broken issues in his life. Take that in right there. Not only does Jesus heal us, he will begin to heal his relationships, our relationships, and restore broken issues in our life. How many of us have issues? <laughs> Praise the Lord for seven honest people. You see, sometimes God sends us back to face things and face people which demons have tried to destroy. And the reason for this is because God is a God of restoration. The healing begins in us and with us, but he wants for us to share our story. And more importantly than our story, Jesus wants for us to share his story. My story means nothing without Jesus. So point number four. Everyone go like this. Four. Fourth quarter, folks. This is important. Fourth, it's fourth quarter. Let's press on. Point number four. Telling your story. You see, the story of this man was remarkable. It shook the region to the point that they asked Jesus to leave. But here's the thing, Jesus had a plan for this man who had a magnitude of struggles to go back and share how God had done a miracle in his life. In fact, the Bible puts it like this, so the man went away and he began to tell all in the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were, say it with me, amazed. One more time. All the people were amazed. I did a wedding yesterday here. I've done a lot of weddings recently. Season of weddings. Then we went to another wedding. My, best, my, my son's best friend was getting married in Tucson. And a lawyer sat next to, a lawyer and his wife sat next to Shauna and I during the dinner. And lawyers can talk. A lot. So they asked us about our story. Ain't that amazing? Tell us your story. And when we finished telling them the story about what God had done in our lives, they said, that's amazing. 
I tell you something, beloved? We all have a story. We all have struggles in our story. But we have a God who is bigger than every struggle that we have, and he makes our story great. The man, I was putting this together, the man did not know much about Jesus. This legion dude, this guy with all the demons, he didn't go to 1 Timothy. He didn't go to John's gospel. He didn't have all that. He wasn't a theologian. But what he did have was the reality that Jesus Christ had set him free. That's for all of us to grab a hold of. You don't have to know everything about Jesus. You don't have to know all of, the, all of these different things. Praise God. Let's learn. Let's grow in him. But you don't have to know everything to share what Jesus has done for you. And that's exactly what this guy did. He went and shared everything that Jesus had done for him. And he knew that he had found strength to overcome the struggles of his life. There's someone in here today, I want, I want you to know, because God wants you to know this. Because he speaks through me sometimes. You know that? He'll speak through you if you let him. If there's someone here today, you think your struggles are bigger than God, they're not. I like that, by the way, Tony. Thank you. That, that was nice. There's some of you in here that you need to know that your, that, that your struggles are not bigger than God's. God is bigger than your struggles. And he wants to be a part of you overcoming these struggles with him. Everyone, uh, just bow your heads right now. How do we apply this? How do we apply this? The first thing that you have to grab a hold of is God is the source of our healing from life struggles. Grab a hold of that. The second thing is he desires to set us free from the demons that entangle us and keep us from becoming everything God has created us to be. Grab a hold of that. The third thing is, once we are set free, we are led to share our story with all who will listen, and we become a beacon of hope for the hopeless. You don't have to be a trained theologian, just a vessel of grace who has been touched and healed by Jesus. Now this is where it gets personal. That was personal, but this is where it gets really personal. If you have not yet experienced this story, then perhaps today is the day that you allow God's grace to change your life. 
I'm going to pray a prayer. And this prayer is going to resonate with your spirit, with your heart. And God wants this prayer to become your life story. The prayer goes like this. God, I am a sinner. I feel like I'm bound by forces that I can't escape. Today I am calling on Jesus to set me free. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins at the cross at Calvary. I believe that you were raised from the dead on the third day just like the scripture said you would. Today I'm giving my life to you. And because of this, I know I am set free from all bondage. I am putting my faith and trust in you, and I will follow you in the fellowship of the church. Thank you for setting me free and for giving me the Holy Spirit. Amen. And amen. Head bowed still. Head bowed. There's someone in here today that that's you. That you've been living your life with. There's forces that are, seem to be leading you away from God instead to God. And I want you, if that's you, to just raise your hand and say, that's me. Yes, I see your hands. And anyone else, just amen. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? If, there's, if, you, if this is the day that you're choosing to make Jesus the greatest thing, the greatest force in your life, just raise your hand and say, that's me right there. 